a moment and lift the scripture before you this morning. If you notice in your programs this morning that were handed out, there is an outline if you'd like to use it to follow along with our message. But first, I'd like to read the biblical text. It is an old scripture from the prophet Isaiah. I'll be reading chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. We're told that in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, two that covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe to me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amidst a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. That is words from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah lived 2,700 years ago. Now folks, that's a long time ago. I guess the world was much different then, but I think as I look over this text and I Look at what God wants to do in every single one of our lives. And let me start this way by saying God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us who's here this morning. God has a plan for you, purpose. A plan, purpose, just for you. We sometimes miss that. But that was true 2,000 years ago. It's true today. We call that a call. God calls us and guides us and directs us. So yes, this was 2,700 years ago, but listen to the similarities of today. The country in which Isaiah lived was quite corrupt. They didn't all follow the values of the people of faith. Uzziah had been king, and he had been king for over 50 years, so the government had been run by one person, but he was a man of great compromise, and that's not a good compromise, but a negative compromise. There was a lot of religiosity in the country, meaning that people did their due diligence to things like going to the temple, but people's lives looked just like people who didn't have faith. And so there were what they called the pagans, who were the people who were not people of faith, and you couldn't tell a distinction between the people who said they believed in God versus the others because people had not built a personal relationship with God. Sounds kind of like today, doesn't it? That's one of the things we hear a lot about us as Christians, is we too often look just like the world, and there really is no difference. In terms of trying to understand the future or where they should go, sorcery had become the way, and so instead of trusting God's word and listening to God speak, People would do different acts of divination. And then along comes this young prophet facing a tough situation. Here you go, Isaiah. You get to straighten out this nation. So this morning, as I think about God's call in every one of our lives, it really is for when we face adversity. 
Now, I will do my little disclaimer. If anybody here has never faced adversity, you can be dismissed now. If your life has been perfect and everything's gone great and you've never had any struggles, you can leave. We'll wait. I don't see anybody going. That's because it happens in all of our lives. Just like Isaiah, in a time in which there was a messed up society, we find the same thing for ourselves. It can be with our own life when we make decisions or remake decisions and we say, how did I get myself into this problem again? It could also be from a job loss, could be problems in our families, it could be relationship issues, there's all kinds of things in our own personal life or in our corporate life that gets us sort of feeling like Isaiah did 2,700 years ago. So what do we do at that time? Do we give up? Do we give up? Do we give up? Do we become victims? Uh Do we become victims? It's easy for people to become victims. It's an easy mentality to say, oh, just woe is me. You don't understand my problems. Or do we understand what Isaiah understood? We are called to be victorious. Amen. We are called to be victors. We are called to realize that God has a call in our life and is speaking to each one of us and doesn't want us to be identified according to our problems or the things that have had that we didn't like or situations in our family that we feel like there's multi-family dysfunction. Whatever it is, God says we do not have to be defined by that, and we do not have to be victims. We can become like this young prophet Isaiah, so let's learn from him this morning. The first thing that I see as I read through that text from so many years ago is that our circumstances don't need to limit us. Think of how many times we have said, well, you know, I guess it's just in the cards for me. Poor me. Boy, it's tough. We face the problems that I've faced. That's why Isaiah begins this section in which he says, in the year King Uzziah died. You see, that was to date so that everybody would know for all time going into the future that Isaiah is speaking about a time when things were really messed up. Assyria was now a conquering nation that was conquering the new world And they were doing some of the worst things that would happen. When they would come in, they would torture and take people. And a rebellious king was over this nation of Judah. And though he had just died, the nation had just slipped into mediocrity. The nation was in trouble. And so by telling the date, Isaiah reminds us that circumstances don't need to define us. He didn't say, in the day that King Uzziah died, woe is me, man, my life is tough. He wanted us to realize, in the day that King Uzziah died, God had a claim on my life and was going to do something new and exciting. Far too many times, people let the negative circumstances in their life define them. One of my favorite movies is Apollo 13. And it was on TV this last week, and Regina turned it on, and it's one of those movies I just can't turn off. And my favorite moment is, if any of you have seen it, how many Apollo 13, the movie fans, do we have in here? Well, if you, that's it? The rest of you can all leave. Come on now. How many people have seen Apollo 13? How many have not? I feel bad for you. 
However, actually, I feel good for you because you get to watch it. It's great. It's one of my favorite movies. Apollo 13, everything is going wrong. The spaceship is not going to make it to the moon. They're now desperate to get them back. It's a true story. Um, Jim Lovell is, is flying this thing, and they're freezing cold because they don't have enough power. And now they're looking at trying to land the spaceship back here on Earth and, and land into the ocean. And somebody walks into the commander at, in Houston Command Center, and he goes, everything is wrong. This is awful. You know, the, the spaceship might hit the Earth atmosphere and just fling off, and, they, and we have no way of getting them back, or they may come in too hot, and they're going to crash, and they're all going to die. This is the worst that could ever happen. And the commander of the entire mission turns to him and says, with all due respect, this is not our worst moment. This is NASA's most important ever. We will be defined by this. This will be our greatest moment. Do we let the negative things in our life define us negatively? Or do we see them as, wow, this is the opportunity where God allows me to do something great, something good, something new, and not be defined by my negative circumstances? The question that Isaiah raises for you and for me, what do we do with our circumstances? Do we look around us and become victims and feel bad? Or do we say this is our greatest moment? Because the next thing we learn from Isaiah is that our failures don't need to define us. Amen? Amen. Our failures do not need to define us. Amen? Amen? How many times do people go and just feel bad about how they messed it up again? Man, you don't understand how tough it is. I did it again. Well, in verse 5, we hear, the, hear these words. That Isaiah says, woe is me, for I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amidst people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, if the text had ended there, he would be a victim. Because at that moment, Isaiah was aware of his failures. He was aware of his own limitations, the things that he had done wrong, and not only the things that he had done wrong, but the things that others had done wrong. And as he paused and he had this vision and he considered God's holiness, it was almost as if a spotlight was just being shown on him. So he has this vision of the temple and he sees God and he sees God's holiness and he sees these angels and he sees just all this stuff and this smoke and this fire and he's like, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm just not a perfect person. And we have those moments in our life when we are well aware that we are not perfect. We call it sin. The New Testament word for, word for sin is the word harmatia, which means missing the mark. And it doesn't define us, but it certainly needs to be recognized in our life that we do things wrong. Every single one of us. Can I have an amen? amen. We mess up. We are not holy. We are not perfect in our actions. But the good news is, no, no is anybody else? No else? No one else is? We're just like everybody else. We just walk through this earth and through this life, recognizing our own imperfection in light of all of our imperfections. And that's what Isaiah was looking at. We understand that sin, the things we do wrong, is offensive to God. Just like when other people do wrong, let's be honest, if somebody else does something wrong, it's offensive to us. We don't like it. 
we drive down the road and we go through a stop sign and we get to the next light and somebody else goes through a stop sign and we get all upset with them because we get offended. And Isaiah took it to a level higher than that. He was looking at holy, awesome, perfect God. Holy, 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 the most holy. And at that moment, he was recognizing the fact that he said, I'm sinful. I've done wrong and the people around me have done wrong. This last week, I was getting ready to be part of a promotional video that we're doing here at Faith Community Church, and I was going to be filmed. And I went out to lunch with somebody, and I had spaghetti. <laughs> and I had a little piece of spaghetti that hit me on, on my shirt, and I felt like I had everybody in the world looking at me. And I came back to the church, and I looked at the lights, and I realized they're going to turn all those lights on me. And all I could think of is how people all over the internet were going to say, I would never go to Faith Community Church. That pastor has spaghetti all over him. Why would I want to show up there? So I went home and I changed my shirt. So when you see the video, you're not going to see the spaghetti stain. But that's what Isaiah became aware of, and that's what we become aware of at some times in our life. We feel like spaghetti's all over us. We're just like, man, have I messed up. And we do not need to let that define us. And if our sin and our mistakes and our failures define us, we are not understanding the good news because it is not sin and our failures that define us, but it's God's forgiveness that empowers us. Because we are so thankful that we are human and we are like everyone else, but complete forgiveness is offered to us. Jesus Christ loves you so much that if you were the only person on this earth who ever did something wrong, he still would have come to this earth and died on the cross and given his life for you. Don't tell me you don't matter. You matter. Our Heavenly Father designed you and created you, not just two beautiful little children that we dedicate to God this morning, but every one of us. And it is that forgiveness that then allows us to move beyond our circumstances and our failures and live our life a completely different way. So in verses 6 and 7, we're told that Isaiah sees these seraphim as they flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs off the altar. Now, I don't have a burning coal, but we have an altar here. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. In ancient Israel, they had a temple. It was much different than this church. It was much bigger and more glamorous. And they had an altar. That, that's why we have an altar here. Not to remind ourselves of Old Testament sacrifices, but to remind ourselves of the cross that Jesus is the sacrifice who gave his life for every one of us and died on the cross for us personally, and these people were religious, and they offered a bunch of sacrifices, and so Isaiah knew that he saw this image, he knew exactly what it was, something about this altar where these sacrifices had been put, and they'd been burned, and they'd been given to God. We unfortunately can become like the people of Isaiah's day and become very religious and not have a relationship with God and just let our religiosity become part of us. But now in that moment, Isaiah saw these angels, these seraphim, going to that altar and picking up a coal and touching his lips with them. And we have to understand that was an ultimate image of power 
Because these were not fat little chubby angels that we talk about sometimes. Those are called cherubim. These were seraphim. These were warrior angels. They breathed fire and they had swords and they had all these wings and they were amazing. And that's what he saw. See, sometimes we think about angels and we think, oh, they're these cute little things that we put at Christmas time in our pageants or wear in our lapels. But these angels were warrior angels. And they had power. And Isaiah understood at that moment that these angels that he saw had power. And they took this coal and they took that power and they said, you are forgiven. The power that we have is not of angels and of coals, but of Jesus Christ and the cross. It is the most powerful thing that has ever happened on this earth. Because when human beings went astray, God did not leave us alone. He gave his own son who died on the cross, who gave his life to take all of the junk in our lives away, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to powerfully remove it and make us new people. And if you don't think it's hard to make you a new person, I couldn't do it. And if you don't think it's hard to make me a new person, all of you together couldn't do it. But Jesus Christ did it. And he offers forgiveness, salvation. We prayed about that earlier in the service for somebody to understand that this gift is offered to them. That all we need to do is open our hearts and accept the fact that we have done wrong. That we are not perfect. That we have made mistakes and we cannot correct it all by ourselves. And that's what Isaiah understood at that moment is, oh my goodness, God forgives me. God has done for me what I cannot do for myself. And therefore, Isaiah lets us know that that forgiveness, when we receive it, empowers us. It empowers us because we no longer have to go through life feeling bad about ourselves or seeing our negative circumstances or our failures. That's amazing power. I'm telling you, there's nothing greater in this world than to get us as human beings away from all that crazy stuff that we keep going in our heads over and feeling bad about and living a victorious life filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens at that moment to Isaiah. And that's what we're invited to have happen to us. To not let our circumstances limit us. Not let our failures define us. But let God's forgiveness empower us. And then something new defines us. Our call. What we're called to be. And that's what Isaiah finishes up our passage with. He says, now... Having been forgiven, having understood that I live in a bad time with a bunch of messed up people, at a time in which I can look at all the reasons and all the excuses for why I can't have a good life, he says, verse 8, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who shall be God's representative in this world? Who should see themselves as a child of God living for our Heavenly Father? And I said, here I am. Send me. Isaiah didn't say he was better than anybody at that point. He didn't look down at anyone else. He just realized that God's grace and forgiveness could define him so he could live a different life. Like all of us, the prophet Isaiah got to decide what would define his life. Do you know you get to decide that for yourself? Nobody else can define you. Not another person can define you. If you want to go through life feeling like a victim and feeling that circumstances limit you and feeling like, oh my goodness, I was born at the wrong time. Hey, if I would have been born 50 years ago, life would have been better. 
You can go right through that and define yourself that way and live your life that way. Or we can define ourselves according to the grace that's given to us because God gives us a different way to define our lives. His sin and his failures and the failures of others would not divine how he viewed himself. Isaiah knew that he was forgiven and that God was present and he chose to answer God's call to be a man of faith and a victorious overcomer. And that's what we're invited to do. To walk into our hurting world and to realize that there can be some messed up things out there, but that does not need to define any one of us. We can be defined as pure and holy and set apart. It's a much better way to live your life, folks. Because you know what? The junk is still going to be there. And the negative naysayers and nabom are still going to hit us at every opportunity they can. But we get to choose. Do I want to be part of that? Do I want to be defined as God's faithful servant? Being an agent of reconciliation to bring God's love to other people. I had a gentleman in one of my churches one day who walked up to me. His name was Al. He goes, Pastor Stan, what's your favorite book in the Bible? I said, probably the book of Philippians. And then I realized what he really wanted me to do is ask him, what's your favorite book in the Bible? And I said, Al, what's your favorite book in the Bible? He goes, oh, I'm so glad you asked me. (laughs) I said, so what is it? He goes, the prophet Isaiah. I said, the prophet Isaiah? He said, oh, I love it. I read it all the time. He said, because it tells me about redemption. It tells me about forgiveness. It reminds me that God overcomes everything. He said, it's the good news in the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah reminds us not only that there was a Savior coming, but that we serve a risen Savior, the suffering servant who died for us. He goes, it's such an awesome book. My friend Al was defined as a Christian. He saw himself as a child of God who was forgiven, who loved his wife unconditionally out of the fact that he was a Christian and served others accordingly. And that's what I ask you this morning. You're called. What answer do you give? And how do you define yourself? I like to define myself as a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ who's been forgiven. A person who then has a responsibility to my family to love my wife, my children, and my soon-to-be grandchild. There, three weeks in a row, we got the baby in. (laughs) And then out of that, I like to be a friend to my congregation. See, I get to choose that for myself. That's what Isaiah lets us know. You get to choose how you define yourself. You're called by God. God wants every one of you here this morning to define yourself as a chosen child of God. A child who's forgiven. A person whose identity is to love others and to serve the community and to bring God's grace to everyone else. That's what this morning is about. It's not just about setting aside two little children and saying God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of our lives. And that's what Isaiah learned. When he felt bad about himself and bad about the circumstances and realized his country was corrupt and realized that people were religious but didn't have faith, he said, I'm not going to let any of that define me. I'm going to be defined as the one who is filled with God's grace and forgiveness. And that's what I invite us this morning. As we close our service, I'd like Alona to come forward to end us with our prayer time, following which we will also invite people to come forward if you'd like to have prayer. And also we'll be singing our final song. But Alona, if you could come and close our service.
to be called. As we take this final opportunity to let the scripture and the word sink into each and every one of us, I just ask you just to take that deep breath. To come and center yourself and to hear the Holy Spirit as he calls, to hear Christ as he stirs within your soul. To be called, to go forth and to do what a father is asking each and every one of us to do because he has given us a purpose. But when we allow those fears, insecurities to cloud us, it takes us a moment for us to be able to move forth in that light. At this time in the service, we always ask those who have something that's weighing heavy on your heart, on your soul, to come forward, to come forward in prayer, to come forward in asking for forgiveness, to asking for guidance. As the music plays, I ask that the Holy Spirit stirs within each and every one of you. I ask that his grace and love moves within you. That we don't get things right. We're human, we're not supposed to. But we have been offered redemption and salvation. We have been offered the opportunity to bring it to the cross. Most gracious Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads just for a moment, I'm just, there's just, you can feel it within us, within stirring. Just take a moment just to bow our heads. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we, we praise you for this day, for your glory, for all that you have offered to each and every one of us through the salvation of your Son. We know that we cannot do this alone. We know that it is by your grace, by your mercy, by your guidance and your love. But sometimes we get caught up in the fear, the insecurity. We get caught up in defining what others say and not what you say. Dear Lord, we just come before you. We take this time to listen deeply within. And for somebody here today, Lord, who has heard your message and realized that there is a redemption story that is there within their heart and soul, dear Lord, we just ask that you be with that person, to bless that person. And for us who are here, just, just offer up our grace so that they may receive your son, Jesus Christ, as their personal Savior in the walk of life that you have called them to take. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all of this. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for us, who said, you will be co-heirs of a kingdom with me. Amen.